Thanks for listening to Echo Holiday Radio, playing your favorite holiday jams and top 40 hits to get you through the season. Speaking of surviving the season, TuneIn has partnered with one of our favorite comedians in the world, Jen Kirkman, to create a new exclusive four-episode podcast series, The Holiday Survival Guide. So sit back, grab some eggnog, and enjoy. Hey Alexa, how do you make eggnog? Eggnog uses one quart milk, one pint heavy cream, and 12 egg yolks. Thanks, Alexa. Send that recipe to my phone. Okay, you guys, enjoy episode one. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen Kirkman. I'm a comedian. I'm an author. I'm a podcaster. But most of all, I'm a human, just like you. Everyone can use a little help during the holidays, so I'm going to talk to some of my good friends and get real advice on how to survive these holidays. This is my holiday survival podcast powered by Amazon Echo. So the first episode of my Holiday Survival Guide podcast is about family. In this episode, I'll talk to my acupuncturist and friend, Russell Brown, comedian Greg Proops, and the one and only Dr. Drew Pinsky about their own holiday traditions, what the holidays are like when you have kids, what the holidays are like when you don't have kids, elf on the shelf, and a lot more. Now, I know you're thinking, Jen, you're really just saying you're talking to your friends and you name drop you know, Dr. Drew and super cool comedian Greg Proops. That's right, you guys, you're going to see over this series that I have some pretty cool friends or, you know, people that are nice and willing to come on my holiday survival podcast, whatever. So this episode is really talking about family and there's all kinds of versions of family. I mean, I talked to Dr. Drew about what do you do if you don't really have that sort of traditional nuclear family and and to Greg Proops who tours all over the world for his comedy and he's in a successful 30-year marriage, but they don't have kids, so... I don't know, can you call one other person family? And Russell Brown, who's an amazing acupuncturist, and I'm going to call him a philosopher, who has a wonderful family of origin that he still spends the holidays with. So there's all different iterations of family. And then there's that whole concept of your friends or your family. But what do you do when you feel like, okay, my friends are my family, but they're not around on Christmas because they're all in relationships or they're all going back to their family of origins home? I mean, I think it's really about making your own traditions and making do with your family. You know, how do you go home and, you know, if your family is triggering you and your mom or your dad or your siblings are driving you crazy, can you have compassion for them and go, you know what? They're also humans and maybe this time of year is hard for them too. Dr. Drew recommends that being of service is a really good option if you don't have a friend's family or a family family. And I talked to Russell about the psychology of Santa Claus. I mean, I don't have kids, but I would be terrified to have kids because I would just assume that I'm lying to them. I'm just lying to their face and saying, there's a man in the sky who gives you gifts. I'm also kind of fascinated with this thing, elf on a shelf, where it's an elf. It's a stuffed animal. I mean, it's not a real live elf. But what do you do when you don't have kids? Is Christmas even for you in a way? I mean, are there traditions that adults have, you know, if they don't have kids that are still fun. I mean, I feel like the kid in me comes to life at Christmas. I'm not sitting there playing with toys, but I feel a sense of of joy. I still get that excitement going to bed on Christmas Eve, even though I know that there's no one coming down my chimney to give me presents that I didn't already ask for. And it's not just because I don't have a chimney. Do people with families actually ever envy us? And I say us, meaning I'm in the group of, of single people who aren't married and I don't have kids. 
Is anyone out there envying me this time of year going, oh my God, she can basically do whatever she wants and she doesn't have to clean up wrapping paper or tell people stop throwing it in the fireplace. It causes some kind of chemical to burn or I don't know. I, I bet people envy me, right? Don't tell me if they don't. But basically having the perfect situation is not always all it's cracked up to be. I don't even know if it actually exists. And so I wanted to make people get real with me and tell me about what really goes on when they're trying to navigate a family situation during the holidays. So I hope you enjoy episode one about family. I'd like to introduce to you guys my friend Russell Brown. He is an acupuncturist here in Los Angeles, and he's such a fantastic guest because you can just talk to him about anything. I find him really knowledgeable and inspiring, and we talked about the expectations that people feel are placed on them by their family members, expectations we place on ourselves during the holiday season, his unique upbringing, and how childhood traditions can sometimes continue into our lives and become our chosen adult traditions. Take a listen. The sense of peace I have is not this hippy-dippy ohm kind of thing. It's just this like, I'm not going to fight what my life should look like. And I think expectations are the thing that causes all the angst that people have. And I think this season- Especially around the holidays, yeah, right? Yeah, this season is a season of expectations. And one of my favorite things, I'm not a Buddhist, I take from everywhere, but one of my favorite things in books I've read that are in the Buddhist tradition is dropping your story. That's what's making everything miserable. It's not, the, the reality of whatever is miserable might be manageable if you don't keep attaching stories to it you know, like last year I got dumped on the holidays. My story, I dropped it of like, now it's ruined, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nope. And so the miserable thing that happened last year still exists, but I dropped my story to it. So like, I can kind of move on. It's not easy, but I feel like the expectations people have, and then people go, no, 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 I don't have expectations, but they have expectations and that bums me out. So I, I don't know, like, what do we do about that? My thing about expectations, at least for me and, the, and my patients, is, is that we feel like we've signed a contract with people that they're going to do certain things and we're going to do some things, but no one signed this contract. And so I feel like that's what a lot of expectations is, is that I expect my family to behave a certain way during the holidays, right. even though they never agreed to that. And that's just in my mind. And they're going to expect me to like show up and be friendly, even though I didn't say that either. And so I think <laughs> that we have to sort of like really clean the slate on all of these imaginary contracts that we've signed with people that like my kids are going to behave when they go to grandma's house. My kids are not going to behave when they go to grandma's, you know, like, like, I don't have kids, but you know, like yeah. that kind of a thing of like, the chips are going to fall where they may. And like, we can either build resentment around that, those expectations, or we can just be like, oh, it was another Christmas. <laughs> I think people with their, all their gratitude challenges, mm -hmm. I think what people really need is acceptance more than gratitude. Totally. I mean, if one thing doesn't come naturally to us, it's acceptance. And then I think once you find that, it's easier to find gratitude and things. Like sometimes I can only be grateful for the fact that I have my limbs. I'm, I don't feel gratitude for anything. And I know that's when you should make a list of everything you know that you should be grateful for, but you're not feeling it. Like mm -hmm. that's when to do it. And I think people get confused. You're supposed to feel gratitude. And then when you don't feel it, then it's like, I'm doing it wrong or forget it. I'm not going to do it. I'll wait till I have this so I can have the gratitude. And it's like in cultures where they just give gratitude, you just give it. It doesn't yeah. matter how you feel. It's like going to work. Yeah. Just go to work. Gratitude is not some magical thing you feel. It's like work, not, but not a challenge. Yeah. But it's just like, you do it. Yeah. yeah I'm grateful. It's also hard because it's like, this is like a season of gratitude. And it's like, well, if I'm not feeling grateful today, then I don't really want to be 
told that it's my season. Right. And I think for some reason, even though, like we say, it's common wisdom, this is the time of year when everyone feels terrible, whether you're alone in a relationship, right. you have family, you don't. And yet I don't find anyone taking comfort in that. So that's why I like <laughs> yeah, doing totally. this is because I want people to know yeah. whether you meet them or not, everybody feels this way. And you just have to keep telling yourself that while you're curled up in a ball in your parents' twin bed that you used to sleep in as a kid. <laughs> so you grew up Jewish. Ostensibly, I had a bar mitzvah. Uh-huh. It was, you know, we were like sort of Jews. Like we went to the, we went to the temple like once a year, but like not really. We would do Hanukkah, which I thought was a totally joyless holiday. There's nothing fun <laughs> about a menorah as far as I'm I wasn't going to say it. You get eight presents and one of them is good and seven of them are underwear. And I was like, what's, this, this is not that good. I would and were see you my, jealous of the other kids? Totally. They had like real presents under their tree. They had a tree inside their house. There was candy. Potato pancakes are not candy. Like that's not the same. These are not, these are, these are false equivalencies. Like Hanukkah and Christmas are very different. Like they're around the same time of year ish, but they're not the same thing. And so that's how we were raised. And then when I was 10, my mom left my dad and became a lesbian. She got a girlfriend named Diane, who is still my mom and has Wait, been with my now mom. Pause. Yeah. Uh, and this is not on topic, but it's just so great. Wasn't she her tennis partner or something? No, they were on the, they met on the IRS racquetball team. That's right. My mom was an architect for the IRS. Diane was an auditor for the IRS and they ostensibly fell in love. This was early 80s, a very long time ago. They're still together now. Don't They're married. let ladies play sports with the, each yeah, other. It was a dicey time in the <laughs> 80s. Everyone had golf hair. No one knew anything. Anyway, <laughs> Diane was, my mom's now wife, was Christian. And all of a sudden, Christmas was on the table when I was like nine years old, 10 years old. I was like, whoa, we get candy now. Like we get a tree in the house now. And it was amazing. And I think it's probably why I like Christmas now because it was suddenly this thing that was never part of the equation just showed up at sort of a traumatic time because like now I can laugh about my mom being lesbian, but you know, when it's going down and you're like a tween, it's not exactly the easiest transition in the world. He's not, he was not pleased by the whole thing. And so (laughs) in that time, part of it is like, all of a sudden there's like, Easter candy and oh, right. all of it. Christianity just showed up, but like the best parts of it because I didn't have to do anything except like have donuts. You didn't have to read the New Testament. Nothing. <laughs> there was no Jesus whatsoever. Right. None of that. It was just like weird traditions that were totally not my traditions. And it was, it was amazing. And like Diane would go to church on Christmas Eve, which was crazy to me. But then I would go and it would be like these children doing these plays about, you know, people in Israel, which felt really weird to me. But I was sort of like, let's do this weird thing. And like- (laughs) People in Israel. Like that's what we're talking about, aren't we? (laughs) Like Joseph and Mary were Middle Eastern people. They were, yeah. My people, actually. But we don't even talk about it. It didn't make any sense. And I was so excited about it. And now there were Christmas presents and like good Christmas presents because Christmas presents are great and they're not like a toothbrush or- or, you know, no, that's a stocking stuff. A weird book. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There were stockings. I'd never had a stocking before. So that was my Christmas experience, was all of a sudden it showed up Ugh. in a totally unexpected way in like a, you know, a lesbian container. And <laughs> it, no, she was Catholic or Christian, because there is a massive difference. I think that she is Christian. Because that seems like there'd be some conflict with it being lesbian or whatever. No, there was none of that conflict. And all of a sudden there was just Christmas. So Christmas was wonderful to me. And now my moms do a Christmas Eve party, which is oh. a huge banger because it's like they live in a senior city called Leisure World, which is in Laguna. I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, we're, 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 let's do it. And so they have a giant 
old person Christmas Eve party that is amazing. I mean, and it's, it's sort of the dream party for everyone wants to go to because you spend so many times in Los Angeles going to parties where people are just waiting for other people to talk to you that you forget when you go to like an old person party, the old people all want to talk to you. And so you are just mm. walking through the crowd and people are like, hey, 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 love your mom, love your mom. And it's my favorite party of the year. And I usually bring some of my hooligan friends and it's actually kind of the best party ever. Yeah, older people are fantastic. Like they just want to chat and- you just want to chat. I want to have, I want to live in a world where it's like my ex-husband's grandparents, he used to tell me about them. He said every day at four o'clock, they would get in their velour track suits and it was cocktail hour mm. and the neighbors come over. Sounds wonderful. I- live for that. Yeah. And Leisure World, I mean, I can't even believe it's called that. Well, they changed it. It's now called Laguna Woods because they're trying to like get away from like their 70s inception uh like lounge idea, but it's uh, it will always well, be Leisure, Leisure World. Also sounds like a, there's a water slide like I think there may be a water <laughs> slide there. They have like nine golf courses. It's a very large retirement city. And uh, and my mom's throw a banging party because it's all like finger foods and oh. um, there's you know there's multiple refrigerators of beverages because they're that kind of a couple and it's a wonderful time now and that's so that's my family tradition is that my mom's throw a Christmas Eve party and it's all just like wonderful old people and elderly lesbians. Now tell me, you were just saying to me that you now go on your own to. I will still go with, yeah, Diane still goes to church on Christmas Eve and Mm. I'll go with her. And it's still charming and adorable and wonderful. And we have this weird tradition that we do together that has no basis in any of my actual religious beliefs. But my parents don't go to church anymore on Christmas Eve. No? We go to, they don't go to church period anymore. And then we don't go on Christmas Eve. And my sister and I, we went, she lives in like a colonial part of Massachusetts. You know, this old church, creaky floors, candlelight, like burning candles, midnight mass that you just start weeping. It's like, I don't know what that feeling is. Like if it's, you know, people would call it God, but I call it whatever, just community and relief where you just feel so touched. If I hear Silent Night, I'm about to tear up thinking about it. I cannot, it's one of those things where you just picture like, you know, when they play music and then they show people getting killed and bombs going off. It's like one of those ironic songs where you're like, it's never a silent night anywhere. It's always horrible going on all the time. We have to make our own silent nights. But my mother's like, what are you girls religious now going to church? So she totally busts our balls about it. Yeah, but I love Christmas Eve church. I don't like the pageant with the Um, kids. It's it's just like- No, and I don't like children generally, but then at Christmas something happens and you're like, all right, put on a bathrobe and pretend you're an Israelite and I'm on board. (laughs) The Holiday Survival Guide podcast is powered by Amazon Echo. The holidays are a crazy time and I'm sure you could use a little help along the way. You can just ask Alexa, She can help you make a list, call a loved one, or buy a gift for your kids. Okay, that last one is something I'll never ask Alexa to do for me. But how about this? Alexa, what's a good cocktail recipe with gin? I've got some difficult relatives. Okay, for cocktail with gin, I recommend French 75, which takes three minutes to make. So no matter how you celebrate the holidays, the new Echo can help you get through it. Alexa, tell us about Greg Proops. Greg Proops is an improv legend. His podcast is called The Smartest Man in the World. So I want to introduce my friend, comedian Greg Proops. You may know him from the TV hit Whose Line Is It Anyway, from his fantastic podcast, The Smartest Man in the World. And as long as you're Christmas shopping, why don't you pick up his book, The Smartest Book in the World? 
We talk about the pressures to go home for the holidays and whatever home is, being judged for not having kids despite having a successful marriage, and the often messy intersection of holidays and family and blech. Here's Greg. Hi, Miss Jen Kirkman. How are you? You just sound so delightful. I'm okay. I'm here to chat with people about surviving the holidays. And Mm. I feel like you might even have an interesting take on the notion that it's even something to survive. I mean, I guess it's a time of year when it's like, I don't know. I just think things are supposed to be a certain way or people are sold some kind of bill of goods about how to be happy and it involves family and it involves this. Da, 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 da. Like, why is that important? Why is it important that we have family this time of year? What, When you hear holiday season, what does it bring up? Well, of course, uh, there's all those childhood memories of the shouting and the screaming and the uh, disappointment and the fury. Um, I remember playing in Orange County a couple of years ago at Irvine, and um, I said, um, I quoted Philip Larkin, the, the English poet, who said, they f*** you up, your mom and dad, they don't mean to, but they do. Because I was doing a Christmas routine, and the crowd, <laughs> the crowd was, you know, they, they tolerated everything, they're pretty bright there, and as soon as I said that Christmas could be a time that's not fun, and that your mother and father weren't necessarily a great part of your equation, quiet. Wow. And I thought, people really pretend as hard as they humanly can that their family means everything to them. And I don't mean to be a cynic about that and say, oh, you shouldn't care about your family. There are people, and I know them, uh, who have lovely families, and uh, they really do get along with them. But I think a lot of people find that their family is a real lot of work. Yeah. You go home, and all of a sudden, the clothes you're wearing aren't right, your career choices aren't right, your relationship choices aren't right, you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you made your mother feel this way. Well, you know, I was going to say, too, it's so funny that, you know, you're a 31, an older man of 31, and I'm... Yes, thank you. Yes, I'm 31 as well. No, but we're older. We're That's a great age to be. Oh, God, thank God I'm not. We're in our older years, and we still mm. say home. We go home. That hasn't been our home in decades. And it just, it, it's just no. automatic that we say home. And it's not home. It's somebody else's house. It's someone else's house that we didn't sign up for to be born under them. And, and we grew up there as kids, but we don't even have the same like skin cells. I'm getting it wrong, but they say like every seven years you regenerate all your cells completely. So we literally aren't even <laughs> the same body that used to live in those houses. So it's so funny that we've even been as, you know, cool and insightful as you are, we still just say home. I went home. I, I know, right? And it hasn't been my home in a million years. My parents are both passed away, which is a, uh, and I don't want any of your listeners to think I'm less of a person. This is, now we're getting into Camus territory here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's a relief to me. I was just going to ask that because I think that that's okay to talk about. This is a survival guide for people. I think some people need to hear that that can kind of be a relief. Dynamics and families can change when ding dong, the witch is dead or the mm-hmm. male witch is dead or it, it can free people up. It really can. Um, my advice to a lot of people, and I talked about it on my show at Christmas time because I know how rough it is on people. Um, I say to them, don't go home. You don't, or, you know, home as we're still calling it. Yeah. Don't go home. You don't have to. Um, you cannot do that. Uh, Jennifer and I decided a long time ago, my wife, uh, no relation to my girlfriend and, um, <laughs> or my boyfriend, uh, we decided a long time ago that your friends were your family and that you chose your family and that those people were more important to you. So when we lived in San Francisco, we would just have them over. Because I remember when we were first going out, I flew to see my mom and dad on Christmas Day. And I really wanted to be with Jennifer. You know, she, we, we weren't married then. 
And uh, I got there, and I was wildly unhappy the whole time. And after that, Jennifer was like, don't go. Yeah. So I made that decision to not go. I would phone them. I would send them presents. I'm, you know, I still have human feelings. And I still love them as much as I am relieved that they're gone. My father and I shared baseball in common, uh, one of the few things. When the San Francisco Giants won the World Series in 2010, I would have really liked to have been able to call him and tell him that they won the World Series and talk about it. Right. And I think we know what's interesting, too, is when we, so we go home, or family of origin, once a year. You know, some people only go once a year. So you're, you're mm-hmm. putting your entire relationship, like you said, you have a relationship when your dad was alive about baseball. So you could technically um, go visit him any time of year and, and talk baseball or call him on the phone. And a lot of people mm-hmm. only have who don't live near their families, have one opportunity a year to go bond, be with their families. And it's during this crazy time when there's so much other stuff going on. And so automatically, that's when people are going to say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. And it seems so cruel that they're doing it on Christmas, but it's just that they would do it in July if you came home, but it's just easier (laughs) to hear it in July for some reason because there's no other expectations. But I have to remember too, you know, with families... We are of a generation that we can go to therapy and we can get help and we can this and that. My parents were raised by people who had trauma. My parents, I'm sure, have their own trauma from that. And Mm -hmm. they're still dealing with things in ways that they get completely hysterical and they're 79 years old. If not going home is a solution, that should not be seen as less than. But, But something you said really was interesting to me where you said your friends are your family, which I agree with. But I know some people, and I'm one of those, can get really sad even thinking about that because that seems so glamorous to me. You know, you think of TV shows where I see six friends sitting together and having Thanksgiving, and I think, who does this? I don't have six friends at all the same time. I was going to say, I don't do it. I mean, my friends are my family, but they go home to their families. Like, I don't have exactly a group of friends that are in the same situation. Some are in relationships. They want to be alone with their partner. They go to their partner's house. I really don't have an option to have a friend's holiday. And I'm going to be very honest. Some of the friends that might be around are depressing. (laughs) Exactly. Jen, we consort and frequent with comedians. And uh, so it's not exactly, one, a tower of stability, and two, Everyone's all over the world all the time. There's no gathering people together. And like you say, you don't want to be sometimes with the people. I think that the goal to survive the holidays is remember that it's okay. Uh, you can't control everything. It's all right if you don't get anyone anything. It's also oh, yeah. okay if you write everyone a card and or text everyone, which I try to like text everyone and just say Merry Christmas like to people that I don't really talk to that much that I love still, which is possible too to not talk to someone for a year and still, you know, have a relationship with them. As far as the going home and seeing the parents, if your parents make you feel bad or if, if you have a cousin that you hate because he's going to tell you uh, why women are murderers and Trump's so great or whatever, avoid it. I mean, that, that's really the way to do it. And sometimes people think, oh, I can't, I can't, they really want me to come. And it's like, you know what? Once you're not there, you'll be a topic of conversation for a while and then you won't. And as you said, your parents would say the same thing to you no matter what time of year it was. They're only choosing the holidays to destroy you because that's when they get to see you. And I also think that, you know, I always think, oh, I feel so bad. You know, my sister has this big Christmas party every year. It's called Kirkman Christmas because... Really? Um, That's so cute. It is cute. She does it the week before Christmas because my dad has six brothers. and Oh my goodness. Yeah, and each family has their own family and they have kids and this and that. Everyone does their own thing with their immediate family on Christmas Day. So this is like a time for the extendeds to get together. I haven't gone to it in many, many years because... It isn't really nothing personal. It's usually just a a tour thing. I'm touring, and when I'm not, I don't want to 
if I go to see my family, it's on actual Christmas. So I don't feel the need to be there a week early. I like as much time in my home as I can because I'm never there. And so I just don't go. But, you know, I feel so bad. My cousin got married this year and I didn't see their new kid. And it's like, they would never, ever sit around thinking, I don't go see Jen in California. No, no one has ever visited me once. Uh, I'm, right? the, I'm the only one in California. It's not... So I don't know why I'm taking this on. Like I'm the, somehow this glue that holds everything together. I'm really, I think people see themselves as this role in their family that they can't get out of, but they, I think it's in their minds. Couldn't agree with you more. It's so amazing that you just said that because I'm the same way with all my relatives, my brothers and sisters. I think, oh God, I really should go see them. And none of them have made any effort, not once to ever come and see me. And I've lived in California for 30 years. I lived in London for five years. I invited them, never. I know, and you live in the cool place to go visit. Yeah, right? And then they they just don't do it. And then when you see them, they're like, well, you never call or whatever. And you're like, you did nothing? You'd come and see me and you act kind of grumpy? (laughs) I I would tell people, if you're planning on spending the holidays alone and you still feel a little strange about it, stay off social media. Do not look at Instagram. It's just a portrait gallery of people's best moments. It's they're not going to put what really happened or how they really felt, you know? No, not when the casserole gets thrown across the room or someone says something about your shoes and you burst into tears. (laughs) Alexa, tell us about Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew Pinsky is a practicing physician and globally recognized addiction and relationships specialist known for Love Line, Celebrity Rehab, Teen Mom, and more. So I would like to introduce to you my friend and your favorite doctor, Dr. Drew Pinsky. You may get everything that he has to offer you guys at drdrew.com. He's got so many great podcasts, his Dr. Drew podcast, and he has another podcast that he co-hosts with Bob Forrest from Celebrity Rehab called This Life Podcast. And I talked to Drew about his holidays growing up and his own anxieties and fears about the holiday season. But I also wanted to get into the psychology of Santa Claus with him. Is it bad to lie to your kids or is it something where you're actually giving them hope and teaching them about the magic and the fantasy of the season? And I explained to Dr. Drew what Elf on a Shelf is because he hadn't heard of this thing and you'll absolutely love his reaction. And and we break down if, if that's good for kids or not or if I just have really strange friends. Take a listen. Really quickly, I want to ask, did you do the mythology of Santa Claus then with your kids? If it was just Oh, yeah. No, my wife oh, was did. way into all this stuff. Way into it. And it was cute. It was really kind of fun. I didn't get any of that when I was growing up. No. You I, got, just, I got none of it. You got a menorah and a dreidel. I, I, I'm not even sure we got that. Oh. Yeah, I guess we got that. Yeah. My parents seemed to have great difficulty acknowledging anything, anything special, anything unusual, anything out of the ordinary. Right. We're just like, it's another day. You know, I really want to get your opinion. So Santa Claus for me, I know is all about teaching kids blind faith. Isn't isn't that kind of what the point is? Blind faith? Like we don't understand how it works, but he shows up and he comes and... Yes. Is that what the point is? Mm, I think it's more of a, you know, loving father figure that comes in and keeps everybody happy and safe and gratified. I I think it has much more of a mm, caretaking function. 
Oh, interesting. You know what I'm saying? Well, because I always thought it was like kind of a holdover from, you know, because it is a Christian tradition. Like, okay, so this is an easy way to explain like the concept of God to our kids. Like you can't see him. He's there. He helps. And so, you know. Yeah, I think this is a corollary to that. But but you think it's even deeper. You think it's father figure. Well, no, no. I think it's a corollary to all of that. And it happens to be a father figure. It's like a fairy tale version of God, Right. Mini God. So then what, when you tell them it doesn't exist, what function does that serve? That's what I will never understand. Um, Aren't we damaging the kid's beautiful no, faith? No, because mostly I don't think you have to tell them. They just sort of figure it out. Tell me why it's okay. Fantasy and play uh, is an exceedingly important part of child development. And that's what we, one of the things we've been so deeply concerned about in recent years is that they're busy with their, with their screens and not engage in fantasy and play as, as actively as they should be. And to have an adult participate with them in an as-if environment, uh-huh. you know, as, as if this person exists, is extremely useful. It's extremely good. It's extremely bonding. It's extremely regulating, emotionally regulating. Okay. Uh, and, and so it has, you know, to be able to play in that way, it's the nature of fairy tales and the nature of... You know, building castles and you know having fantasy sort of uh, experiences. You know, or you, you build a narrative in that sandcastle. That that these are all very important experiences for children, and to share with an adult makes them that much more meaningful, uh, richer, and again deeper in their capacity for emotional regulation. And yeah, I don't really remember being traumatized when I found out Santa wasn't real. Like my friend told me, and I asked my mom, and I my mom, oh my god, she was dying to <laughs> to tell me it was her. Because she was like, uh, well, you think uh, a man does all that in one night. Well, you know, a lot of times the mothers do so, all the wait, shopping. Yeah. So I, I, like, I like that she brings this as a, as, a, as a feminist message. Do you think a man could do that? Yeah. <laughs> one I, man could handle all that? She's basically <laughs> saying, your father, I do all the shopping. Because my mom did a thing. Santa Claus had the same handwriting as my mother. I swear to God, she could not stop herself from getting the credit. God, and so... Funny. I, I really feel like she was excited when I finally realized there wasn't one because she was like, yeah, it's been me the whole time. No big oh deal. Oh my God, that's funny. You know, fantasy and play are things that kids figure out aren't, you know, they, they, it helps them you know, distinguish between their inner world and their outer world, between your world and their world, and between reality and fantasy. And, and this is all part of that play. So you're, so in, in a way, I should look at it differently. I should look at it that when kids are of a certain age, they begin to come out of their fantasy and play, and they recognize, now they're on the adult side, and they're like, oh, we were all engaging in a game of fantasy and play. Yes. And now yeah. if I have a little sister, I can do it with her, or yes. I'll do it with my own kids. But they're not like, you betrayed me. If, if a child reacts like that, I look at it carefully. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I would just put them up for adoption at that point. Oh, I, well, that's that's one strategy. Because I'm a terrible person. Scare me. Um, do you know Do you know about Elf on a Shelf? I do. I'm aware of it. I've never done it because I kids have grown up before that happened. Alexa, what is Elf on a Shelf? The Elf on the Shelf is watching, always, and giving detailed reports to Santa. Yeah, that sounds scary that the Elf is always watching. I'm not going to get one. Well, I might buy one for someone else, though. Okay, I am concerned. Now, you've really turned me around on on the whole Santa fantasy thing that it's actually very healthy. I think Elf on a Shelf is such a weird concept, and it scares me because my friends told me, I don't know if you know the whole details, my friends have one. They put it in a different place every morning, and it's basically supposed to be the thing that you tell your secrets to. And so my friends are finding out that the kids are outsmarting them by whispering to the elf what they want for Christmas, not telling their parents, and seeing if they get it. And guess what? They don't get the thing. 
Well, now usually kids aren't that genius. They end up telling you anyway. But. It, it feels like a manifestation of helicopter parenting. Yes. It's, it's literally like saying, not only am I always around and worried about you all over you, I've got this elf that moves around and watches over you too and travels and goes wherever, and it's, it's looking at you. Yeah, I like the concept more of Santa. Like, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. And, you know, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. It's like... Well, remember, a lot, a lot of countries have a very punitive punishing Santa Claus, right? Well, and depending on how you want to look at it, we could we could look at ours that way. But it, yeah. but like you're saying, it has this this figure. He's rooting for you. Be good, you guys. You know, I want to, you know. Yeah. And the elf is like, I'm watching you. And what yeah. they say to get, you know, kids are curious. How could you not touch that thing? So yeah. I don't know if this is, now I, the, the product itself is not the problem. It's what the parents do with it. My yeah. friends say that they say, I know it looks like a stuffed animal, but it comes to life at night. And that's why the next morning it's in a different place. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they go, okay. they go, don't touch it. Because that's how they make the kids, um, they don't want the kid to take it and cut it open and tear it apart and figure out it's not real. So they give them a consequence. If you touch the elf, you'll ruin Christmas for all the kids all over the world. Santa won't come. And I'm like, this is a next level Well, to me, that is begging for, um, you know, creating such extreme consequences from a limited, a tiny boundary is asking for a kid to begin messing with boundaries. That's what I think. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm going to touch that. And when the world doesn't end, what's next? Yeah, I'm going to light a fire. Oh, whoops, okay, there was a consequence on that one. Yeah, Yeah, but the world didn't end. It wasn't as bad as touching the elf. And I'm starting to think, I think these are my friends that do this because I've talked to other people and they're like, that's not one of the things with Elf on a Shelf. I'm like, okay, then I have- You know, you hanging out with friends around Christmas, I don't want you around any of these people. They sound (laughs) trouble. They're sadistic. (laughs) Well, do you know, Dr. Drew, I have a happy story for you and we'll we'll end on this and I want to ask, I just want to ask you some quick things about your favorite things, but- um, You know, you and I are are friends in real life and you knew that I got broken up with last Christmas and that I was dreading this Christmas. And I want you to know that I've uh, reclaimed it. I'm no longer feeling that kind of deep pain about it. Christmas is not ruined. I am not associating it with my ex and I've put up my decorations already. Great. I put them up the night before Halloween because I won't be home a lot this season for, for because of my job. So, And I'm going to New York City on Christmas by myself. I have, I'm doing a show there one night. I have some friends I'm going to see. There might be the literal I'm alone Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, but I'm staying in a fancy hotel that's right near all of the lights and the joy. And I feel the excitement and fun that you're having. Yeah, I think I really I'm do. really, and yeah. it doesn't feel lonely. Like my my family loves me and they're just in Massachusetts. Yeah. They're like, come if you want. I'm like, I think I need to do this thing. And Good. honestly, I just want to sleep. I'm, I'm tired Good. of working. So I feel, like I'm having this, this is what Christmas looks like this year. And I feel like if people could keep that in mind, like, hey, this is what it looks like this year and like make the best of it. And anything can change in a moment and make your own traditions and maybe it'll inspire someone else. A big thanks to my guest today, my acupuncturist, Russell Brown, Greg Proops, the fabulous Dr. Drew Pinsky, anyone I'm forgetting. I really loved hearing people's stories about their families. It's always fascinating to me what memories we still hold on to, whether good or bad, or what traditions we just absolutely won't give up. You'll see that no matter how different people are, we're all sort of similar in the sense that we're kind of just big kids during this time of year. Tune into the next episode where I talk about doing alternative things for the holidays, like spending time alone. Thank you to Amazon Echo and tune in. 
And thanks for listening to my holiday survival guide. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Holiday Survival Guide. We sure did learn a lot from Jen today. From planning holiday parties to calling home, we know it can be a challenge to stay on top of it all, but Amazon Echo can help. Alexa, set a reminder to pick up finger food on December 21st at 10 a.m. Okay, I'll remind you December 21st at 10 a.m. Subscribe to the podcast channel and keep your eyes open for episode two, three, and four coming your way very soon. I wonder if mom needs anything else. Alexa, call mom. Calling mom. All right, I got to talk to mom now. Have a great holiday.